Welcome. I am a small, fuzzy, middle-aged woman, unexpectedly named Turl Kronberg. And in the very front of my brain, I have an exceptional little bit that I call the wise turtle. She is the most thoughtful, observant, and compassionate part of me. And this podcast is her platform for speaking to the world. Her aim is to try to understand the patterns of growth in the universe and use those discoveries to help us all uncover the most important, inspiring story of who we are and where we want to go as Earthlings. I hope that you enjoy her musings. Namaste. Just breathe. That's the advice that occasionally someone gives us, and it's excellent advice in many situations. In other situations, you want to do extra things, but you want to start with just breathing, right? If you're alive. I mean, what is life anyway? What is this life thing? Um, I actually have a video that I've gone into, and I'm not entirely sure I've shared a link to it um, on my blog or in my podcast, so I will definitely share a link to that right now, which goes into sort of my philosophical, scientific, logistical explanation of what is life. But today, I'm going to go into the more philosophical, poetic, artistic idea of what is life and how that can apply to the way you live your life and the way I've lived my life and how it might help. So yes, so just breathe. What is breathing? Breathing is this in and outness, right? It's it's a simple pattern. It's a simple contraction of the lungs and expansion of the lungs or the diaphragm more accurately. The diaphragm goes down and expands and allows the air to come in. And then the diaphragm contracts and pushes the air out, making the space in your lungs in that area smaller. So it's a contraction and expansion in and out, up and down sort of fluctuation. Oh, it's a wave. That's what breathing is. Breathing is a wave. Of course, there's far more to it when we get into complex beings such as human beings, right? There's a whole lot of other stuff going on about exchanging of gases and absorption and expelling of various different things and the use of the energy and of how the energy gets changed from one form into another and matter and so on and so forth. But in the general concept of this thing that we literally say that um, when a biological organism is existing, 
we say that something has to have breathed life into it, right? We use this word breathing and breath to indicate so many things. The whole concept of spirituality, the word spirituality is in fact a, um, uh, etymologically it has come from the word breath. Spirit means breath in, I believe, Latin, possibly Greek. Don't quote me on that. Um, you can look it up yourself. <laughs> um, but what's interesting is this this idea of, of breath represents pretty much everything in life, um, which is this contraction and expansion in and out, up and down. It's, it's a cyclical thing, though. It's not just um, up and down, but it's, it's sort of in and out and around. Um, every time you take a new breath, you take in something new and you expel something new. You take in something new and you expel something new. So it's, it's a spiraling kind of pattern. It's moving forward. It's not just up and down. It's not just a blinking light you know, off and on. It's actually making progress. Every time you take a breath in and out, um, you're changing something. You're making something different than it was before. Um, you're growing. And that's what life is. And it's really, really interesting. And I hadn't thought about it in a while, but um, I saw a program on BBC, I believe. Um, certainly it was a British show, one way or another. And um, it was a scientific program. This wonderful woman who studied waves, and um, I think she might have been a, a, an astrophysicist specifically, but I'm not sure. Um, and she had this whole program on how the moon affects the planet and how there's a, a theory out there that the moon is actually what started life because the moon's pull on the water on the planet, well, on the planet itself in general, but the water is the most flexible thing on our planet, on the surface of our planet that moves around. Um, being affected by the moon, the gravity of the moon is pulling the oceans um, toward it. And so when, um, when the, the part of the ocean that is perpendicular sort of to where the moon is um it gets pulled it the the water that is there get gets pulled away from that area and towards sort of the direction of the moon although it's um it's actually it's it's a little different than you might think um they're actually poles which is kind of strange um but anyway the idea is that the, the moon pulls some of the water towards it and some of the water um ends up not being there. So there are these tides, right? There's the up and the down of the ocean. And we all know that we've gone to the beach and even, um, even large lakes, uh, have tides have can have small tides and there are places on the planet that have just vast tides up in, um, Nova Scotia, uh, where actually not Nova Scotia. Um, actually, yeah. Parts of Nova Scotia and on the other side of New Brunswick, um, where the Bay of Fundy, I believe, is, the tides are just huge. They're, you know, like, not hundreds of feet, but they're, you know, dozens of feet. Um, whereas in most places, it's, it's 
you know, it's maybe usually only 10 feet or something. Uh, but up there, there are these huge caves and things and all kinds of funky rocks and stuff. I've walked around there um, on my honeymoon, one of my honeymoons um, with my, my beloved David um, years ago. And uh, that is actually one of my favorite places on the, on the planet. It was so beautiful there. Um, but anyway, these tides seem to possibly be what gave birth to life because, or at least complex life, um, because the life, um, that had been, well, there are a bunch of different theories, but one of the ideas is that the, um, the the moving of the tides the up and down would allowed um, things that were in the water to be able to be exposed to the air and the sun um, and so that actually sort of jump-started um, the the puddles of whatever was existing the proteins and and whatever the the goop that formed life um, at least some form of life. We, we, we may have started life multiple times on the planet. It's, there's, there's, no, there's no way to be sure without a time machine, which we probably aren't going to have, but who knows. Um, so anyway, this is one theory that, that these, these, you know, little pools of, of, you know, proteins and polymers and I don't know what um, stuff, various, various chemicals uh, were able to be exposed to this this variable environment where there was water and then there was air and then there was water and air and maybe some you know changes in temperature heat and uh, radiation you know from the sun and whatever um, so the, it was these this variability this fluctuation of um, the environment that allowed life to be formed that allowed things to turn into RNA and DNA and whatnot. And, and certainly, um, we also are pretty sure that these fluctuations of the tide, um, or at least of, of water, were what allowed uh, things, life that lived in the ocean, to come onto land and turn into land animals. Uh, so, this fluctuation may be 100% responsible for life on earth um, even if it's possible to create it in other ways I'm not sure but that's really interesting to think about because it is so representative of the flow of life that we think um, when we talk about flow flow is it's not just generally when we talk about flow um, it is not the straightest, the shortest distance between two points. It's not a straight line. Uh, flow, I mean, we do think of flow at the extreme end of things. Um, for example, in a, a pipe, you know, a straight pipe, there is water that flows as straight, you know, as it possibly can because the pipe is straight, but that's a confined area that's a highly 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 confined area um, same thing with like electricity going through a wire it's a highly confined area so that's not the natural state of things the natural state of a flow is that things wiggle they wobble and they bump around and they 
crash into things and they swirl and they make little crazy patterns and we love to look at these patterns. Um, I, I've definitely noticed a trend. Um, it started in the in the sort of 60s when with lava lamps and and all of this sort of organic flowing liquidy stuff um, they used a lot in movies in Barbarella. Um, the original Jane Fonda Barbarella, which was a movie that <laughs> was somewhat inappropriately, but also somewhat awesomely, um, my dad happened to, it was the first video um, I ever watched, a professional, I mean, recorded, pre-recorded video that was sold um, way back when my dad was into video um, back in the, the mid-70s. Um, Actually, he was into video. He had reel-to-reel black-and-white video um, that he recorded stuff on way back then. And then when they had color video cassettes come out, videotape um, cassettes came out, and uh, he was one of the first people who got into that. And so we actually had, the, as far as I know, the very first movie he owned, um, which is one of the very first movies anyone ever owned on a video cassette. It's Barbarella. I'm not saying that Barbarella was the first movie ever released, but it was definitely one of the early ones um, that you could buy. You know, I don't know where I got it. Probably not a store store, but probably ordered it mail order. Um, but uh, so anyway, so in, in, in Barbarella, there's a there's some classic scenes where you see all this space effects and it was all done with like oil paint or something. <laughs> the dog here is is desperately asking for my help. Um, hang on one sec. I'm going to go help her. So the moon, in and out, breathing, life progressing, flowing, liquid, the fluid that we, we so excitedly watch when we want to relax or be inspired. You know, we watch 
paint flow through water and swirl around and it's just mesmerizing and that's because that's what life is life is this this crazy fluctuation uh, when you get more than one pattern of in and out so we don't just have breathing we also have a heart rate and we also have uh, all the different growth rates of our cells you know this each individual cell has its own its own pattern of taking in resources and expelling resources uh, turning matter into energy and putting out different patterns every individual little living thing um, from the tiniest cell single-celled microorganism to the largest society the largest ecosystem each individual living thing has its own rhythm and the rhythm of course isn't always exactly the same it's not always you know off on off on off on off on the same pattern it's off on off on off on off on it's fluctuating in time as well as you know in and out up and down whatever you want to call it so each pattern of rhythm makes a different little piece of the song a little instrument in the song that is our planet for example or our body or just one cell one cell has a little percussion <laughs> perhaps or maybe a melody if it's a interesting enough cell um, but once we get larger organisms starting with multicellular organisms of the animals and the plants and the fungi um, actually I don't well yeah fungi definitely have multicellular yeah right I'm pretty sure <laughs> um, and then on up to a whole planet when we have all of the different organisms singing together making music together uh, and we have every kind of instrument you know because we've got the little hummingbirds that beat really fast and but then you know at some point they do sleep I'm, I'm pretty sure hummingbirds sleep pretty much 99% sure hummingbirds sleep right you know so they, they slow down at some point and then they speed up and so we call this a circadian rhythm in animals and plants um, most of us have some kind of rhythm of our sleep-wake cycle or our you know larger scale growth um, the, the two cycles which the input and output cycles of of the circadian rhythm are growth and then sort of I'm not sure if there's a great word for it there probably is in biology but but basically you know cleansing resting and cleansing um, which is what we do at night we especially in our brains apparently uh, dreaming is what is, is our, our is the little janitors in our brain the cells going through and cleaning out all the stuff that um, the excess products that you know the waste products that got sort of collected in there during the day while we we're doing our thinking all the little bits of things that have you know either decayed or you know have been used up or whatever um, during our, our thinking 
so they get sort of flushed out and as they're getting flushed out they sort of trigger other stuff going on in our neurons and so we have these dreams that are sort of triggered by the uh, the waste products getting pushed out that's uh, uh, it's just a theory and it and it may not be explain the whole thing about dreams but that's one of the things that the brain does while we're sleeping is cleaning things out you know expressing itself getting rid of the stuff that it doesn't want um, there are different kinds of expression um, I think that's one really important thing that I, I don't always mention that um, when you express yourself there it's it's both the good and the bad the stuff that comes out of us are both you know love and hate you know joy and sorrow um, ideas and poop um, and in theory the to the body it's kind of all the same it wanted it wants to get rid of all of this stuff so in a sense it's kind of bad which is why when you can't express yourself even a good idea when you have a good idea and you you don't have a way to express yourself or you're not being heard or you, you don't have a venue to do it or you don't have a voice either physically or um, metaphorically um, you, you your body gets stressed so it actually causes stress when it can't get rid of even good things um, which is something I can go into in another another podcast or if you want to talk to me about it somewhere else um, feel free to ask but um, so there are these two processes that, that our bodies go through on a daily basis as well um, and so all of these things adding together all of the different the like whole organism level which is more the circadian rhythm but then again of course there are also um, rhythms that go through the ages um, you know it is my birthday today and this is some kind of rhythm um, I've gone around the planet I mean I've gone the, the planet has gone around the Sun um, you know 48 times since my birth not since my conception which is really where I started but birth is a the, the fetal stage is sort of a, a prequel stage to humanity <laughs> or to, to living uh, to mammals at least um, but it is the anyway you can start in different places when you want to start counting but anyway um, you know, so there's a the certain rhythm to a year, as well as a certain rhythm to um, sort of the stranger, more um, less regular and more um, Fibonacci-like uh, expansions of growth, uh, where you know, like a spiral, things can spiral out. Or you can have two different kinds of spirals. You can have the spiral that's a regular spiral, where you always move at exactly the same rate out from the center um, so after like one revolution you're exactly you know the same distance away as you are from two revolutions uh, from the previous time and then there's the Fibonacci type spiral where you spiral out um, faster and faster or larger and larger distances and so we have those kinds of different sort of rhythms so like a circadian rhythm is the is the the regular spiral where you know you you grow at the same rate every day every time the earth spins around you grow at the same basic rate every day but then there are the rhythms where you actually grow faster and faster and faster which is how 
when you're, you know, an infant, you can grow so much. And then as you age, your body slows that growth down, like, like physically growing. You know, you, you grow really fast as a little kid, and then that kind of slows down. So there are all kinds of different rhythms, but they're all still in and out, contraction, expansion, whatever you want to call it. They're, they're all still a flowing process that is not just a straight line, that is not just the shortest distance between two points, because that is not life. That is immaterial, boring nothingness, you know, pure static, and I don't mean static in the TV or radio sense, I mean static in the, the sense of non-moving, um, you know, the what we call life is, is interesting, it's different, it's variable. Once you stop living, living, that's when your rhythms stop, that's when, you know, you are the shortest distance between two points. <laughs> you you are kind of boring once you're dead. So life is this wiggly, wobbly, unpredictable flow. And that means that you have to continue to do both the breathing in and the breathing out part, right? You have to be accustomed, be comfortable with, expect things to go up and down, things to be, you know, harder and then softer, things to be easier and then more challenging, things to be scary and then more exciting and fun. And that flow in and out can help us get through some of the more challenging times in our life because when we know we're in a challenging point we know that things are going to change and that's you know a big thing in the buddhist and hindu things that that change is inevitable um to be non-attached to the status right now and to actually be open to the change and that's really helpful for when we see ourselves in unpleasant, dangerous, unfortunate situations, that we know that things are going to change. Now, I have to put a caveat in here. Obviously, we do die. If we're alive, we must die. So, <laughs> that means that to some people, at some point, things won't get better. The worst has happened, and it's only going to keep getting worse, and they're going to die, uh, or at least physically. Mentally, you might end on a high note. You might die in ecstasy, but your body is on a down note, <laughs> being all dying and then dead. Low note. So each individual's life, the flow does stop. Things do, at some point, things stop changing for the unpredictable ways. Uh, they stop, you know, things are going to not be better. So that is definitely true on an individual scale, but that only happens once. So all the other times <laughs> in a life, every other single moment in life, things are going to change and be unpredictable and things are going to get better if things are bad. And when things are good, things are going to get worse until 
the end of that. But on a larger scale, because we're not just individuals, especially us humans, we are very aware that we're connected on a social level, on a global level, and even on a you know larger scale beyond the planet. I mean, right now there are humans who do not live on the earth. And that is going to probably change and, and increase the number of humans not living on Earth. And of course, all the other Earthlings that are going to be not living on Earth, you know, all the flora and fauna and, and artificial intelligence and whatnot that are going to be leaving the Earth, at least temporarily, if not permanently. So um, our flow might stop. The flow of your body might stop or it will stop eventually, but it might stop any minute now. Um, but all of the all of the other rhythms that you have put out there, so the the ideas that you have put out there, the things that you have built, the things that you have created, um, the things that you have understood and then shared, all of these things are part of you, and they have been expressed outside of your body, so they continue to live on. So in in a very a, a very literal sense, a very literary sense, I should say, um, you do carry on because these things are came out of you. These things are part of you. And whether that's another physical human being that you have made, you know, you've birthed another human being into the world um, that is partially a copy of you, that is something you created, that is something that literally came from inside of you, parts of it, um, initially anyway, and it's got copies of your genes. So it is a copy, partially a copy of you, uh, whether it's that or whether it's your art or your, you know, practical solutions to things or th just the impact that you have had as you, you've interacted with other things in the world. You've given stuff out there. You've shared things that are part of what you are, little copies of your information out there. And so you continue to breathe out in a way after you've died. You no longer breathe in, but you kind of continue to breathe out because the stuff that you've already expressed from your body, your mind and your heart and your soul and your physical expressions um, still exist out in the world. So in a sense, you have gone to the, once you're dead, you've gone to the sort of extreme ends of being both more dead and or more uh, static, more, you know, straight line, and more alive and wobbly and flowing than you ever were when you were alive. <laughs> um, so in a sense, there is life after death. There is a new form of more spiritual life after you're dead, because your spirit, the thing that made you who you are, um, your uniqueness, got put out into the world on a far grander scale and it just keeps going out there. It just keeps affecting things. Um, it is that, you know, butterfly flapping its wings in China and causing a hurricane in Toledo, Ohio, or wherever. Um, you know, your life has a huge effect on the world and on the universe. Um, even if it doesn't feel that way, that's, that's how it works. And so... Life does continue on, and life does continue to change and flow even after you're dead. And, it, and that continues to be parts of your life as well. So, 
being open to that flow, being open to the rhythms and being expecting of those rhythms and welcoming those rhythms, even when they're painful, um, knowing that that things will change and things will continue to expand and contract and breathe in and breathe out in some form, no matter what. Um, at least on a human scale, as long as there are humans or things that are like humans or things that are aware of the history of humans. So, for example, if we, um, if we upload our consciousnesses entirely into, you know, some kind of machines or something, and humans no longer exist in the biological form, you know, even then there will, your ideas will still be carried on, your, your passion, whatever you have created, understood, and put out there, um, carries on as long as there is anyone to be aware of the history, to be affected by history, which, as far as I can tell, is infinite. Um, things will always continue. And uh, certainly for a very, very long time, even just for humans, very likely. So being aware of this and sort of that's that's one of the reasons why it is so relaxing to watch things that flow, whether it be sitting at a beach and watching the tide come in and out, watching the waves come in and out, watching the, the birds flow around and walk up and down and look for food and dive into the water and then fly up into the sky and, and watching the moon rise and then set and watching trees flower or blossom and then put leaves out and then put blossoms out and then the leaves turn different colors and die and fall off. You know, whether watching all of these patterns of flow can help us feel more connected and feel more reassured by our own life, our own day-to-day -day struggles. And I've definitely found that very helpful. Um, and so I think I'm going to leave you with, with something that uh, a very beloved friend of mine, new friend of mine, um, his uh, one of his favorite unusual things to say is H, just the letter H. And he says, H is for breathing. <sighs> and so he says H to remind people to just breathe. And focusing on the breath of the in and the out and the flow and the up and the down and the fact that life is this fluctuation. I think it's a, a really beautiful thing and a really helpful thing. And so I will leave you with that. <sighs> Namaste.